What's going on? And welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. It's a game day edition of the show. I'm Daniel Salerson. Pelicans will take on the Grizzlies later on today. And joining me now is the radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine. Eric, I appreciate you coming on. Happy game day to you. This is a big one for both teams, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, obviously, you guys have had a couple of really tough matchups with Utah and the Clippers. And the Grizzlies had a three-game stretch in, in four days to open up their schedule where they knew it was they were big ball games. They had a pretty good lead to Portland and, and let the Blazers back in the game late in the third, a lot like Boston yesterday. Um, couldn't hold the lead in the fourth. Carmelo Anthony had a couple big threes. And then yesterday uh, took on a San Antonio team that despite not having LaMarcus Aldridge or Trey Lyles or even Brent Forbes, three of their starting five, you know, typical Greg Popovich, next man up. And they just, they played to their strengths. And, and without a lot of size, they were able to kind of spread the floor and, and, and put the Grizzlies behind by a number. And then a couple of things just didn't go the Grizzlies way down the stretch after they kind of got their, uh, their bearings, so to speak, but they didn't shoot the ball particularly well. And um, they, they, I think they have to realize that they have the target on their backs. And I don't, I don't know that they're used to that. And, and it, that's shown against two very experienced playoff level teams with the Blazers and Spurs, both having a roster filled with guys with tons of experience. And if they're not ready today, especially with you guys having a day off, uh, it's going to, they're going to find out real quick that that three and a half game lead can be gone before you blink an eye. Right. The importance of this game for the Pelicans is substantial. Of course, this could be make or break for them if they drop to 0-3 in the bubble. But for you guys, you still have the two-game cushion, but again, the target is on your back. So as far as the importance of this game, I know every game is important, but I guess how much pressure is on the Grizzlies right now, just knowing that, you know, there's so many teams trying to get to where they are right now? You know, I they don't like to talk about pressure because they like to take it one game at a time. And I say, look, every game should have pressure because you should try to be winning every single game you go out and play. Um, I, I, I like our coach's attitude about stuff like that, but they've got to realize they're going to get team's best shot. And, and after this game, their, their schedule gets really tough. I mean, it's tough now. The, the, it's not like you look at the Pelicans and go, okay, here we go. That, that should be one we just go and easily take. That's, this is a team that's beaten you rather handily both times you face them. So, um, you know, they, they, they've got to get ready now. That if there's pressure, um, it should be to do the things that got them to nearly 565 games for the year. They, to be honest with you, Daniel, they should have been a game above 500 before the hiatus. They let a game slip away, their final game before the break in, at home against Orlando, had a big fourth quarter lead, and, and just kind of got complacent. And they seemed to do the same thing against Portland and then didn't, really match the intensity that San Antonio brought for the game. It's, I never like to say a team wasn't hungry or didn't want it more than the other team because I think no NBA player goes on a court and doesn't want to win. That's, that's silly. But the veteran experience of San Antonio and having been there, they were a half step quicker to loose balls. They valued their possessions. They moved the ball more quickly and more precisely. They executed better. So the pressure is on the Grizzlies to find what is not working right now get it to work and, and make it so you don't have those those deficits uh, that, that they've dug themselves in two straight games where they're trying to come back from double digits and essentially playoff games, and that's awfully difficult. Is that the growing pains of a young team like the Grizzlies and yeah. the Pelicans are going through it as well? You know, that the game against the Clippers on Saturday, it was, you know, as far as an important game, and then they came out and, and didn't look well at all, and it just unraveled from there. Is that kind of what these two teams are kind of going through the same thing right now? 
Yeah, I mean, all you have to do if you want to look at an example of it in recent years are the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets missed the playoffs, you know, two, three years in a row by like a single game and then were the two seed last year. But that was their first trip to the playoffs with that group. And you could see that inexperience hurt them um, in the postseason. It, it didn't kill them, but it hurts them. And it, it does hurt to not have that experience. And both of our teams are in, in similar position. They both have young star talent. It's going to be the foundation for the future. Uh, you guys got an all-star uh, in Brandon Ingram, and then you've got, you know, obviously Zion Williamson. We've got John Morant, Aaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, three guys to build around. You guys have Jackson Hayes and all the other, you know, young first-round picks that you've acquired to rebuild this organization. And the Grizzlies were fortunate to get lucky in the draft, like New Orleans, and, and get John Morant and be able to add Brandon Clark and trade for Grayson Allen and have Jaron Jackson Jr. and DeAnthony Melton. So, they're both in a similar position where there's really not a lot of guys on their roster that have been in these situations. For the Grizzlies, it's Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Anderson. And obviously for you guys, it's guys like Drew Holiday that have been there and played in high-level games and been around teams that have made runs and been in the league long enough. But there's something to be said for that. And it's also something to be said for being in these situations as a, as a cohesive group. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the first continuity builds success when you talk about NBA basketball, keeping groups and core groups of guys together. If you're constantly turning over players on your roster, coaches, it's hard to maintain a high level of success. And so um, I think these are meaningful games for both organizations that are going to pay huge dividends down the stretch. But right now they're, they're kind of struggling to find their feet. Look at what's happened to Sacramento. I mean, they went out and just got drilled again yesterday. They lost to San Antonio in their first game. Those three teams are now 0-2. It's a benefit for the Grizzlies. We're trying to hang on to the lead. Portland's schedule is ridiculously difficult the rest of the way. And San Antonio, you wonder when it catches up to them, if it catches up to them. So um, you can't hang your hat too, too long on that inexperience thing because now you've played two games in this bubble situation and, and the intensity has got to be there. And, I can promise you this, as you saw in the first two matchups between these two teams, if the Grizzlies don't find answers for the perimeter like they did not in the first half of the first game or the second half of the second game against the Pelicans, they're in for a problem. And they didn't have those answers on the perimeter in either the Portland or San Antonio game. I'm glad you brought up those two matchups because I was going to ask you about what can you take away or because it was so long ago and this is a different situation, can you take parts of those games as, as learning to what you can bring into tonight's game or – is it somewhat thrown out the window just based on one, you guys are a little bit healthier than you were, at least on the MLK Day game. But what can you take from that and, and bring into this third matchup between these two teams? Man, if I and I have no doubt that probably Taylor Jenkins has brought this up. The Pelicans came out of the locker room in both games and punched the Grizzlies right in the face. I mean, hypothetically. But you could tell that they wanted to send Memphis a message, hey, we're coming for you. We've got our guys back. We're healthy. We're coming for you. Um, and the Grizzlies didn't match that intensity. You remember in the first game, it was, what, 15 threes in the first half, and you just can't allow guys to shoot that open and, and not match that. And then in the second matchup, it was attacking the rim. The Grizzlies kind of got out to the perimeter, but, you know, New Orleans did a great job driving the ball to the cup, and then when that got taken away, they went back out to the perimeter. I thought in both games the Pelicans played just terrific basketball, team basketball, sharing the ball, moving the ball, and exploiting matchups that they wanted to exploit. And, um, they were the better team both days. And I, you know, I think our team can be really, really good at times. And at other times they 
they, they hit a bump in the road. And this may be, and you've seen it in the NBA, there's always a team or two where you have a matchup that's just really difficult. And that may be the Pelicans to the Grizzlies. It's just a tough matchup for them. Drew Holiday's a big point guard at, at his size. You've got multiple guys that can handle the ball. You've got Brandon Ingram. You've got Zion Williamson with that size. You've got an athletic big in Jackson Hayes. You know, you're running up and down the floor with these guys, and you're going, wow, okay, hold on, where do we use our matchups? And um, it, it just hasn't worked in the first two. I think you take some things away from it, but at this stage, with everything these guys have gone through, it, it's a clean slate to me. It's, it's, I'm sure it's mentally draining on everybody down there. Um, you know, it, it, you can't hang your hat on, well, I'm just so tired of being in a hotel room and I'm so tired of not being able to go anywhere and do anything and it's just wearing me out. Well, guess what? That's everybody there. I mean, you can't, you can't use that as an excuse. You can't go, well, we caught them on our fourth game in five nights and they're fresh. They have fresh legs. That was a schedule loss, as we'll say, during a regular time. That's not what this is. And, you know, yeah, the Grizzlies are playing their third game in four days and people are starting to talk about that. And I said, well, time out. They didn't play in four, you know, they weren't at four cities in four days. I mean, you see this in an NBA season. You might be in Memphis for a Monday night game and New Orleans for a Wednesday night game and San Antonio for a Thursday night game. So you've been in three cities in four days. You're traveling, you're leaving a game, you're flying, you're getting into a hotel late. That can add to the fatigue. You're hopping on a bus and going two miles down the road and then coming back to your room. You should be able to get rest and your body should be able to, uh, to recover. Now, with that said, you haven't played a lot of basketball like this in, in five months. So I'm sure the legs are going to be a little, uh, a little uncertain at first, but you got to feed off the adrenaline and the rush of, Hey, this is playoff time. And you got to win, you got to win this ball game up here, both teams and, and you better expect the Pelicans to be ready to go. How much does the Tyus Jones injury affect the squad as far as the backup point guard position? See, now we're talking that has not been discussed a whole lot. And it has, it has hurt because it's forcing John Morant to play more minutes. Um, Tyus Jones and DeAnthony Melton in the second unit together really feed well off each other. DeAnthony has not had a good start to this bubble. In fact, yesterday he was held scoreless. I think he had five fouls. He does rebound still. He had five rebounds. He's one of the better rebounding guards in the league and doesn't get a lot of credit for that. But Tyus is so good at setting him up to score. And it got to the point where he just wasn't in a good rhythm. So Taylor Jenkins pulled him out of the game. And for the first time that I can remember, our team ran basically an eight-man rotation yesterday against San Antonio. Usually they're going nine, 10, even 11 deep. And yesterday it was pretty much eight. Uh, both DeAnthony Melton and uh, Josh Jackson and, and Anthony Tolliver, who was signed you know, just before the hiatus off the waiver wire, they didn't see significant minutes. Uh, Coach Jenkins ran with Grayson Allen and Brandon Clark coming off the bench uh, with his starting five. And then uh, you know, essentially kind of kept those guys together. So the Tyus Jones injury has been huge. They're hoping to get him back next week. It's a shame because he started really, really slowly. I think he started well below 20% from three-point range, and he's almost at 40 now. He finally found his rhythm, found his shot, found his role in the offense, and he's a big reason why the Grizzlies were 32 and 33 at the time of the hiatus. Um, it, it's given them the luxury of not playing Ja Morant 32 to 34 minutes a night, letting him play 28 to 30, and then trying to figure out where they play well together. So they, it has hurt them, no doubt. But, you know, it, it's like the NBA season. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's got a, an injury to talk about. Everybody's had to deal with it. You guys obviously missed the number one overall pick, and we've seen 
in a short sample size what he's capable of. Well, imagine if that had been since October when the season started. Then we might not even be talking about playing games. You guys might have been five, six games ahead of everybody, and that would have been a wrap. And they just went and said, okay, well, we'll send you down there, and we wouldn't have had this 22-game bubble. But some teams have dealt with you know injuries better. Look at San Antonio. You, you lose those three guys out of your starting lineup, and yet you still win two games. Um, you know, teams have had that. Utah lost Bogdanovich, who's a huge factor for them, and was able to find a way, and not to bring up a bad subject, but in the first game, make a comeback at, at, at your club, who I thought played terrific basketball and just kind of got caught maybe getting a little, uh, maybe taking the foot off the gas pedal a little too early. And that's not, I'm not saying they didn't bring the intensity, but you might take a breath when you're up by double figures. And in this league, especially with how fast the game's going and how well teams can shoot threes, you can't take your foot off the gas pedal until there's like a minute left and it's a five, four or five possession game. I mean, yesterday was a prime example. The Grizzlies looked like they would have no business getting back in that ball game. They pressure the ball. They get a couple of steals. They did the same thing against, you know, uh, against Portland. And then DeMar DeRozan, who's an 85% foul shooter, misses two. You get a corner three, and Jaron Jackson hits a remarkable shot to tie the game. And then what do you do? You commit a, a, a foul, a young player foul, like, as I like to say, where DeMar DeRozan pump fakes. He knows the defender's too close. Dylan Brooks lands, and DeMar DeRozan draws the contact. It was a, it was a foul. And with one second left, you put a guy that just missed two that's 84%. So by the numbers, he's going to make them both. And now you've got a second to try to draw something else off. So – Anytime you relax, and I thought San Antonio relaxed a little bit yesterday too, and the Grizzlies made a run at them. You've got to, the intensity's got to stay there. So it's going to be interesting to see and not having Tyus Jones and being able to give your starting point guard and some other players opportunities to get a rest is, is a big loss for this team. Absolutely. Before I let you go here, um, I just want to get your thoughts on just broadcasting the games from the arena. We're obviously doing the yeah. same thing. All 22 teams are, are doing the same thing, but one, I think the quality of basketball has been a lot better than I expected as far as the games and how close they've been. There have been so blowouts, but just your thoughts on, on one, this weird situation of calling the game from a monitor uh, in the arena and then how the games have, have been for you as a fan, just watching these games when the Grizzlies aren't playing. I think the games have been great. I agree with you. Uh, the competition level has been remarkably high. I wasn't that surprised that the competition level will be there because these are all good teams that went down there for the most part. Sure, Washington's banged up, and, and they don't have Bradley Beal, and they don't have Davis Bertans, and they're, they're just kind of playing it out. And uh, But look, Phoenix goes out yesterday and, and beats Dallas. Yeah. I mean, they, was that supposed to happen? No, but Phoenix isn't a bad basketball team. They just, you know, they're in the West. I, I, I look at the West moving forward, and I'm like, my gosh, Sacramento's getting better. You guys are getting really good. The Grizzlies, I think, are going to be really good. Their core group's going to be intact for the next – four to seven years and if they keep it together how good are they going to be in three or four years how much does this pay off so I'm not surprised that the basketball is good calling the game off the monitor it's been interesting I, I listened in the car because you know when you're driving home now there's games when you're doing a day game you got games to listen to um, I listened a little bit to Sacramento and Orlando yesterday and thought both broadcast crews did a great job the sound quality is great they're sending us great uh ambiance noise that you would hear in an arena so maybe you feel like it it's weird to kind of hear your voice echo in an empty arena and I can hear our television crew at times and they can hear me and the the view sometimes on the clean feed isn't the best but we have our tv monitor as well so um it's an adjustment but I didn't think it was going to be that difficult to be honest with you because I think it's instead of seeing it 
you know, firsthand, you're just seeing it on the television screen. Um, but you just kind of lock in and focus. And so um, it, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but, you know, look, we've, we've done this long enough to know how to yeah. call a game. And, you know, whether it's a summer league game, whether it's a high school game, whether it's a college game, I was fortunate to get asked to do a couple of games on Facebook Live for a summer program team here that, that isn't going to get to go to tournaments where their kids can get looked at by college coaches. So they held basically an inter-squad game with their best 12 players, and we called that game. And that gave me an opportunity to kind of pick some of the rust off the tires. And so it's been fun. Uh, my partner, Elliot Perry, has been great. We added a new pre-half and post host, uh, a young lady that, that's – you know, very familiar to the Memphis market. Her name's Jessica Benson. She's been a great addition. It's been great having her up there. And um, we're just enjoying it. You know, I mean, this is such a crazy time. And there are so many bigger problems than worrying about, well, I can't really call this game off a monitor. Because every, you know, I'm, we're fortunate to be back to work. We're fortunate to have basketball back. And hopefully, you know, everybody can stay healthy and, and communicate. And, and we can get past this ridiculously crazy time in our country's history and get back to some sense of normalcy or whatever the new normal is going to be sooner rather than later. And if we can provide a little entertainment along the way, that's kind of how I'm taking it. So if I make a mistake, I'm not going to be too hard on myself, but it's, I've actually found it's, it's fairly easy to concentrate because there are no distractions in the arena. Yep. I'm not dodging t-shirt cannons or having fans <laughs> sit right below you and look up at you or, you know, having people text you, hey, what are you doing after the game? Like everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And so it's been easy to kind of lock in. And, and the fact that the games matter is, is a big deal too. Well said, Eric. I appreciate the time as always. I know you have a busy day ahead of you. I hope to see you soon. I know this is not yeah. what we had in mind, but I appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Daniel, thanks, bud. You guys, uh, other than today, best of luck to you guys. It's going to be an interesting uh, race to next week, to say the least. I'll say the same to you. I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks. All right, bud. A big thanks to Eric Hasseltine for his time today. Pelicans and Pacers tonight. It's a doozy. It's a big one. 5.30 p.m. Central Time. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans. Nationally, it'll be televised on ESPN. And you can listen in on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Todd Graffinini, John the Chaser, Caroline Gonzalez will have the call. And I'll have a pregame for you starting at 5. Same goes for Fox Sports New Orleans. Also, it's a good time for you while you're watching the game to cool down and fuel up this summer. Try the new hydration smoothie at Smoothie King. Blended with non-GMO whole fruits and electrolytes. Choose from mango, pineapple, or watermelon. Visit Smoothie King or order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, roll today. Hope you enjoy the podcast today. We'll talk to you on the radio starting at 5 p.m. Until our next podcast, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CD.